to Let's Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic film, Jaws, one minute at a time or thereabouts. I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I am Sarah Buttery, and we're once again less than a minute. I think we worked out this might actually be our shortest segment. Uh, did we say 40, 48 seconds or 40 yep. something? Yeah, so... Uh, let's Jaws for 48 seconds this week, uh, keeping it brief, a bite-sized chunk of Jaws, if you will. Um, and it is, uh, <laughs> it is just us, uh, this week, no guests, so we'll get, uh, get straight on into it. So the timestamp of this week's scene is one hour, one minute and 28 seconds to one hour, two minutes and 16 seconds wow it's really thrown me having the hour in there now <laughs> yeah like, i have an extra number to say <laughs> well and we're barreling to uh pun not intended i guess barreling to mm-hmm. towards the uh the the halfway point of the film yeah i think this uh sort of the the end of this bit that we're talking about is the i don't know the exact seconds i know it is 124 minutes so somewhere around the hour and the hour and two minute we're we're halfway through so i think we're we're basically there but certainly next week we will we will pass over the halfway point and into the the second half of the film so uh, i don't want to say home stretch because we've got many many more episodes to do but we're certainly we're certainly plowing through it um which which is great um, so another great scene to talk about this week. Uh, so we uh, see a female painter on the beach. Um, she has spotted something out to sea. We get the return of the score, which we talked about in last week's episode, uh, noticeably absent from the, the previous scene and, and all of the things that meant uh, for how weird that scene was, but very effective as well. So the score is back. The shark is back. Uh, she is yelling shark uh, and letting the it letting the people know on the beach that it is going into the pond. Uh, obviously, we know that Michael is in the pond as well. Um, and we see Michael and his friends out on the boat and a guy in a, a red rowboat comes over. Um, behind him, we see the fin of the shark. And that is it. it. It sort of kicks off into real action stations next week's scene. Um, so this sort of little interlude uh, gets us to that point, but there's still plenty to, to talk about in this this moment and some really, really effective scenes as well. So uh, MJ, over to you first uh, to let us know something that you liked about this scene or spotted in this scene. Uh, it's just the amount of stuff that happens in 48 seconds. It feels mm. <laughs> a lot longer than it actually is. Um, yeah. I was kind of gobsmacked to realize it was less than a minute, less than 50 seconds even, because there's like three different locations that we visit within uh, this. There's the, 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 the section where the, the woman's painting, and then there's back at the beach with the crowd and Brody, and then there's the pond. 
And even then, there's, like, the shore of the pond and then on the pond in the boat with the boys. So Mm -hmm. there's, like, a lot of different location switching in this. And it gives it a a propulsivity that is really effective and great. And so it just, like, it feels like a lot of stuff happens because we're seeing it on all these fronts of the shark kind of going into the pond. Hmm. Yeah, I... It wasn't until uh, we were talking about it just before we started recording that I realized that this is less than, less than a minute. I knew it was a short chunk, but I didn't realize like quite how short it was because so much does happen and so much is packed into this. And the the thing I, I really like in this scene is is that shot of Brody sort of running through the crowd on the beach and that's when the music really intensifies as mm-hmm. well it starts to it starts to quicken as as Brody's pace starts to quicken as well um and it feels like he is sort of covering uh, a great distance even though he's probably you know only really making his way through the crowd of people that are on the the beach but the the speed of the of the camera movement and the sort of blurriness of the the people that he's running through it gives this impression that he is sort of covering um a great deal of of space even though he probably isn't really and all these different locations as well and 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 the the where the woman is the the female painter what i really liked is the contrast of how quiet that stretch of the beach is compared to the the main beach and we see both so we see her painting she has she's spotted something on the horizon she goes over to sort of investigate it right behind her i don't know if you notice but there is one of our uh our umbrellas uh which is Mm -hmm. in the background it's like a green and white one so we're still we're still getting these uh subtle or not so subtle symbols that the the shark's presence is is about to uh make itself known again and it seems like there is one maybe one family on that stretch of the beach with her there are some children on the rocks as well which we see very very briefly before they're obscured um by her they're wearing yellow as well so all of our warning signs that we know and love are are here um making it very obvious that something is about to go very very wrong and this happens so quickly after the the sort of relief of the previous scene that it is a hoax and i i had to go back a little bit because i i wanted to see that that cut between hooper talking and it then cutting to the woman and it's interesting because hooper obviously is talking to brody and he says um i think the last thing he says is everyone is everyone safe is everyone okay or something like that so naturally you expect it then to cut back to brody on the other end of the the walkie-talkie sort of saying yeah you know all okay some guy needs a bit of assistance (laughs) the one who was being trampled on um but all okay and it doesn't it's a it's a really abrupt cut to then over to the woman so we really have no respite at all it's the the relief we feel of it being not not the real shark immediately then goes away and it's so effective and so chilling and then when that score comes back in it's so noticeable because the the absence of the score like i said at the top so noticeable in last week's scene that suddenly now it's back and the fear is back and 
the intensity of the score as well as Brody is running it's so it's so good it's oh what a great scene <laughs> <clears throat> yeah it's uh it's so it's so weird because we we you know this is obviously on the heels of the montage from last week that's so over the top and in your face and like uh uses almost like every technique in the in the book it seems like um and every <laughs> amateur technique in the book and mm. this is it's so different you know it, it really mm -hmm. slams you back into this very tense real feeling situation and it um it's sort of like it's really cool because like the 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 previous montage gets your defenses down because you're like it's kind of funny a little bit you know and mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. you know just with how over the top it is and then we get slammed back into this and there's like a whiplash that happens that really catches you off guard and also the previous like for is kind of like funny and over the top as it is it's really chaotic and so it's really there's a tension in that too and really loud and like you know, it just kind of does what it can to set off your senses to, like, not be in a good mood. <laughs> um, and mm. then we get slammed into this. And so you don't even get to catch your breath after that, uh, the the cacophony of what happened in the previous uh, montage. And so then we get into this pacing that still has these quick cuts between these locations, but it's so much more deliberate. Like, there's so much more storytelling that is happening here mm -hmm. um and it's like this it's almost this like perfect little one act thing like micro one act thing that happens in this you know like there's a conflict mm -hmm. and like an identity there's like you know the peaceful lady painting the, the 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 landscape and then the conflict presents itself in the shark and then brody dealing with like the crowd there and then him <laughs> i love when he's just like what now like <laughs> it's very real yeah it's so good where he's just like ah oh, god damn it man <laughs> like just <laughs> uh and and then like seeing the stakes that are in that of like oh the shark's going in the pond that's where michael is and mm. um you know just like immediately putting michael in this danger and and you know it's it, it also helps because it helps, quote unquote, uh, because the movie's already killed a kid up to this point. So mm. there's no reason that it wouldn't do it again. Like it's, you know, it feels mm -hmm. like Spielberg kind of has you over the barrel a little bit where he's like, hey, man, I've done this once. I'll do it again. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so you immediately like it really invests you in like, is Michael going to be OK? Because it is a question mark if you're watching this for the first time, because the movie is not shied away from, oh, well, children are safe because, you know, it's taboo to do that in a film. So um, it's it's really, like, effective as far as, like, using the previous stuff that has happened in the movie to mm. ratchet up the tension. Mm. I think that's... I mean, there's many reasons why the death of Alex Kintner is so good and so significant but it's it you're right it does set that path for you know they've done it before they'll they'll do it again or at least le letting you think that way and 
not that we didn't care about Alex, we did. And, and we talked about how he was introduced and you sort of get that interaction between him and his mum. So he's not just like a non-speaking child on the beach. We we learn a little bit about him. So we did care when he was attacked. But this is Michael. This is a character that we've, we've spent not huge amounts of time with, but we know that you know he is he is Brody's son and we have spent a lot of time with Brody so we know that this is a very very dangerous situation and just because he is a kid he's he's not safe he is right in the danger zone the the shark is going into the pond the bit that was supposed to be safe and i think that is one of the the things that is so shocking about this about this moment is it was Brody who told him to go into the pond as well like this is the Mm -hmm. realization of every parent's worst nightmare like the thing that you told them was was going to be safe or was going to be okay even if it was just uh you know we talked about it being sort of a bit of a compromise like brody didn't want to be too hard on on michael and tell him he couldn't go in at all so they could have came up with the safest option and said you know go go in this part it's not the main body of water it's the estuary it's quite safe um and then suddenly it becomes very very unsafe and the one of the the shots that i find so chilling in this sequence but it's so good and might be one of my favorite shots in the whole film is that shot of sean uh playing on the beach and you see the shark right behind him and boy is it close to him as well it's uh, just the way that shot is set up obviously the shark is in the water and sean is on the beach but it's this lovely sort of picture of of childhood innocence and i think sean sort of represents that we see that frequently throughout the film that he is very much we know he's the younger one he looks up to his dad he sort of runs after after michael but he is sort of the the innocent little child in all of this and then the danger is lurking like right behind him so and obviously sean not in the water but michael is we've talked about you know the the fact that a kid has been killed before it can happen again and all of these things are just ramping up that tension and just making us feel so uneasy and and so scared and there's so many great things as well just in that in that shot of sean and the shark behind him that make everything seem so tranquil we get the return of the the diegetic music i don't know if you um picked up on that it's real brief but it's just like a a radio that's playing a, a fairly sort of like upbeat and cheerful sounding song so uh yep another red flag something real bad about to happen and also we have the the boats in the background. Um, everything seems sort of quite gentle and calm and peaceful. You can hear the birds cawing as well. Uh, and this this little kid sort of having a fun time on the beach building sandcastles or whatever. And yet there is the threat, like right in the middle of that. And I, I think it's so effectively done. It's so well done. It's such a simple quick shot as well, but it's it's really, really great. Yeah, um, that scene or that shot says so much about everything that's happened so far. I mean, Sean's on the Mm -hmm. beach, right? We've talked about he might share the same water phobia that his father has. Um, Mm -hmm. And this just drives it home, right? Sean's playing semi-safely on the the beach. And um, Mm. he's the one who's who's not in 
like super danger here like he is close to the shark and that's scary um but it also it it plays with the uh the visual that we saw in the last scene where we saw the shark for the first time quote unquote Mm. in that there are two blonde women who evoke the look of chrissy that see the Mm -hmm. fake shark fin and now we see two kids who they evoke alex kittner see Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the like they're in the same shot as the real shark fins and Mm -hmm. uh it's really great to just like that those those setups of of like hey these are the the types of people that we've seen before who mm-hmm. uh have been endangered by the shark and um you know also the idea of of the shark invading this space that's supposedly safe is really scary like you said just one for Brody as a parent, but two as the audience. Like we've been told that the estuary is safe. We've been told the whole time mm-hmm. the pond's safe. There's no way the shark's getting in the pond, and then all of a sudden it's in the pond, and we're like, oh, it's not supposed to be there. <laughs> um, so it's uh, it's really great. Sorry, the cats are going crazy right now, so there's gonna be a lot of background noise. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's this really great like telling you something and then completely and it's not it's not mean i think like we've talked a little bit about how mean some of the stuff that happens in this movie is it's not <laughs> like a you know screw you we deceived you on purpose to make you feel a certain way it's literally just like in order to set up an expectation and then reverse it so that it's scarier like it just it takes the path to like what makes it the mm. scariest and it's really effective in doing that it's a really like well put together uh idea as far as like lulling someone to a false sense of security and then completely pulling the rug out from underneath them Mm -hmm. and i think that 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 idea fits so well with what we talked about in in last week's episode and last week's scene and obviously you know the situation that we're in on this podcast is we're talking about these moments in isolation but obviously we do get into how they fit into the the wider movie and the things that come immediately before and after as well but we talked um quite a lot last week about how there was so much in that scene or in that montage that was just odd it just didn't feel right it was the the lack of score it was weird shots things that we hadn't sort of really seen before with with characters looking sort of like dead into the camera um sort of obscured things as well with the splashes of the water creating you know uh well obviously it's like splashes and 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 obscuring the camera lens and mm-hmm. um just something about that that moment just feeling very odd that the acting being a little hammier than what we've seen before and all of that gave us this this sense of unease um and just sort of setting up this idea that something something wasn't quite right um and then obviously you get the the reveal of it being not a real shark so we're all ready whether we realize it or not we're in a state of of unease and then that is just like turned up to 11 in this in this bit that we're talking about today because the 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 shark is going into the safe place the place that it's supposed to be 
supposed to be okay and and we we are aware of that and because we already feel that sense of the rug has been has been pulled from under us with the the fake shark we are just nodding a not in a good place to deal with what we're going to be watching next <laughs> it's manipulative but in a very very good way it this film has you it's it's gonna make you feel this way and everything it is doing is leading you to feel the way that you're feeling whilst watching whilst watching these scenes and seeing that uh that shark fin so close behind sean and then again when you see it approaching the guy in the boat and we have michael and his friends sort of in the foreground as well it's just this idea of the the threat i don't say like outwitting the people but like they all of the spotters and the the guys with the guns and everything else they're on the main bit of the beach and it does feel like the shark in this moment has sort of like outwitted them and it's outwitted us as the audience as well because it's gone into the place that we least expected to and we were told was going to be was going to be safe so very very unsettling but very subtly done and i think so many films could just learn from the way that <laughs> that jaws does these things because yes it's got the 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 dramatic and intense score and the way that is used is obviously to indicate the shark's presence and that's pretty obvious but then it's doing all these other things as well underneath the surface There's these things that you don't really kind of pick up on and until you sort of look at it in in this level of detail and with the you know under the microscope as we're doing here mm -hmm. that you realize how all of these things are adding up and and making you feel and going back even further that we we talked as well about the chaos uh, of the 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 overlapping music and screaming and helicopters and everything else of the of the previous scenes so that was sort of turning up the anxiety levels because you're just conscious of there being so many people there and so much going on and not really being sure what to focus on then the eerie quiet oddness of of the the montage scene and the fake shark and then now this so i'm i'm very brody in this scene i'm like oh now what <laughs> like i it's very hashtag relatable content because i i'm totally i'm totally on board with, it, with that it's like what is going to happen now i have already felt all the things i thought i was gonna feel and now this thing is happening it's it's like the final straw <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I think we also have to keep in mind that the shark is now just choosing to go to the local bistro over the cheesecake factory, so. I still love that idea. It's so silly, but it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> when I first mentioned it, I didn't, like, get a huge reaction out of you guys, and I was like, oh, maybe that was just funny to me. And then you were like, that's actually kind of a perfect analogy, and I was like, don't support this ridiculous idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do on this show. We support each other's ridiculous ideas. <laughs> the more ridiculous, the better. <laughs> um, I really like this little bit we get of Michael and his friends. It's the only time we see him interact, but I love <laughs> this, like... It, it's once again, like, using the thing from earlier that we, we talked about in the last few episodes where he... Brody reaches a compromise with Michael and... Um, mm. Like he gets the uh, the uh, the 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 
you know, kid growing up and not wanting to be embarrassed in front of his friends and, you know, don't want to be like, oh, my dad says we can't. Um, so he tries to hit this compromise with them and then seeing him with the, you know, with the guys, as it were, on the boat and like doing swears when we haven't heard that, like, because there's no adults around. Um, mm. Nisa's like, what does he say? I can't do the damn thing or something. Mm. Um, yeah. And, uh, it just like perfectly captures this. And I know Spielberg has this great reputation for doing it. Rightly so. Of just like, yeah, like preteen and teenage boys on left to their own devices, like trying to act more adult than they actually are. And mm. uh, it just like, it's this little brief glimpse into that, but mm. it like nails it perfectly. And I feel like it's very, uh, it's very timeless. Like I feel like every child has that um mm -hmm. and you know I, I i he didn't direct it but i feel like it's it's in line with like the tone of the goonies although i hate the goonies but that's not what this podcast is about um <laughs> and like the way those kids interact sans adults um mm. that that you know as, a, as an adult it's hard to write kids right and so mm -hmm. uh this is just like a little glimpse into that and how spielberg like threads that needle perfectly Mm. yeah you get it a little bit in stand by me as well which mm. is again not <laughs> not spielberg um but yeah the this um idea i guess of the, the kids sort of like acting older than they are i think it's a, like it's a it's a fun interaction like <laughs> between these kids like they're the the kid on the right they are really like letting him have it about like untying this knot i just <laughs> i feel yeah. a little bit sorry for him yeah and it, it, it i think it it um it reinforces the theme a little bit like the the the, the masculinity theme like it's just like these kids mm. trying to be macho like you know manly men <laughs> boy type thing so it just like mm. it has this like little layer of 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 texture to that that theme that that the movie has been exploring or will and definitely will explore in this back half um mm. so it's just yeah it's a really neat like little touch and there's like a couple there's a couple of those like i really like the costume design on the painting the the woman who's painting um the she most just looks 1970s like, lady most 1970s <laughs> lady but also like most art lady like she just looks yes. like every art teacher ever no matter the decade <laughs> i love her i love the jeans the little patchwork jeans it's a mm -hmm. it's a strong look and i'm here yep. for it <laughs> yep and the bandana mm-hmm mm-hmm Yep. Also, jeans on the beach is a real uh, choice. <laughs> Look, she's been she's been planning on wearing those jeans for her Fourth of July painting trip for weeks, and the weather was not going to stop her for it. Yeah. Well, and they're they're kind of ripped up too, exposing the white threads underneath. So she's got red, white, and blue um, mm, on those she jeans. Does indeed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's just, like, little touches like that that I think really, like, make this movie great um, mm. throughout. And, like, mm -hmm. even in the even in the most tense moments, like, they're still finding ways to dot this this uh, setting with, like, very lived-in moments that feel like they could happen in anywhere USA. Um, mm. And I think that it's so, it's so interesting to think about that because the Northeast is such a specific area of the country and it's sort of, like got its own culture a little bit like it's definitely well so it's like the remnants of like when the you know people came across across the ocean and so that's like that's like mm. the first spot that was in the country <laughs> and mm -hmm. as such there's like way more history 
like uh, you know settler white people history there than um than there is out here in california and so there's like a lot more like well this is the way it's always been done so the setting is really perfect for Mm. the way amity reacts but then the specificity of the setting doesn't get in the way of things like this because these people feel like other people you would run into across america so it's it's really Mm. interesting the way like it gets very specific about the area of the country which is not an area of the country i know a lot about or have ever been to actually um so i just kind of know the stereotypes of it but Mm. uh it's got a very specific reputation here but it also still feels like any beach town I've been to out here on the West Coast. Um, so it's like, it's really interesting to, to think about Amity as like a place in the Northeast and how the film puts that culture that is le- at least like in the larger American culture, uh, it puts that into place and how it, it, it just reinforces the stereotypes a little bit of just like mm. <laughs> upper class and upper middle class, like, you know, white people who uh do not like their way of life disturbed but then you get Mm. people like the kids doing swears on the boat or this the most art teacher lady ever and it still feels like oh yeah this just still feels like american archetypes though too at the same time Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think the the setting of jaws is so important both location wise and obviously the time it's taking place as well i mean we've spoken obviously about this being the 4th of july i believe the day this the day we're seeing now is the 4th of july yes um at least like yeah it it seems obvious with all of the flags and, and all of the other clues and stuff that we get um so that is is incredibly significant and and we've spoken about that a lot before and you're you're right actually i've never really made that connection in it sort of being on that side of the country i just i guess i just don't know america as well but it makes sense i think that that you know these are the sort of people that perhaps you would find over that over that side they are maybe less receptive to change not really open to something being new or different or something that they're not used to or haven't experienced before so that's why you get a lot of these sort of hard-headed people like the tafts and like larry who are just so set in their ways and the this is the way we've always done it type of thing that that's why this this shark is causing such a problem for for this particular place obviously proximity to the ocean kind of important when the 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 threat is is a shark but the specific location i think of of jaws is is super important and getting back to the sort of um the fourth of july thing um i really like it's just a fun uh little thing when you notice it is that the the woman the very 1970s art teacher um this is the story i'm, I'm creating for her now yeah. <laughs> she's definitely a teacher um is the first thing she she yells when obviously like she sees the shark is she yells shark um and that is this is like larry's premonition on the ferry basically coming true and he's like you know the the great line of uh... (laughs) yeah you yell shark uh we got a panic on our hands on the fourth of july um was that you just realizing the yeah (laughs) holy crap whoa that's amazing what a film what a film bring it um, 
<laughs> pretty good pretty good movie um yeah and and i i really like her delivery as well some people are not very kind to her and say that she's not a very good actress one she's what? probably not an actress she's probably just like a gal who lives on the island and is you know <laughs> happy to be in the film and have a line i actually think she's really really good i think that you know the the sort of shaky way she says it to start with and then gets gets louder as she's sort of trying to get the attention of the people on the other side i think is really really good i i think that she she sells it completely and sounds scared but is also you know doing the right thing and and alerting the the people who are all the way over the <laughs> the other side of the beach um of the threat that is coming so yeah i I don't know if I have made that connection to to Larry's kind of like big speech before, but I was like, oh, there is a person literally yelling shark on the 4th of July and there is about to be a panic um, because we we see that almost immediately after this, the, the scene of Brady sort of running along the rocks and then leaping over the bridge, as we'll talk about next week um that is sort of like the the panic starts to to creep in from there um i think we're we're getting the build up to it in in this scene certainly but yeah I, my mind was blown also when i <laughs> when i realized it like as i was writing it in my notes i was like oh this is basically larry's kind of uh premonition coming yep. coming to life blew my <laughs> tiny mind uh <laughs> i heard it i heard it happen in yeah. real time <laughs> whoa that's awesome ah uh, what a what a picture uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a picture it <sighs> i like this lady i didn't know that she was controversial in the slightest yeah some people have been mean and just been like oh she's not a very good actress like what you're no. you're not a very good actress <laughs> yeah she's great she i really like the way she looks like i love the look on her face it's like mm-hmm. i feel like she nails this i have the, the i just have it paused on that frame right now so i'm, I'm very much looking at it it's just like confusion <laughs> and terror at the same time yeah. and i actually i really like i hadn't uh, i'm glad we we got to this because i wanted to mention it i really 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 like the sound design in this scene like just like her constant um mm-hmm. yelling in the background it's really scary like it, it's it's really and it's really well mixed with the music and brody's dialogue and the crowd noise and the ocean and um the 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 soundscape of the sequence is really good even at the beginning when they have like the guy on the megaphone from far away that says folks we had some practical jokers out there with a shark take shark fin or whatever like it's uh it's really great um and uh I also, while I'm kind of picking up loose loose ends here, I really love Ellen in this scene because I feel like Brody having that oh what now vibe about him. Mm. He's on the cusp. I don't think he's like totally there yet, but I feel like he's on the cusp of being like, is there's no way there's a shark over there and mm-hmm. to just like yeah. to just be resigned to it and then ellen steps in and is like hey My- michael's over there like you should probably mm. check on our son and it just like it keeps him grounded like that's and that's what ellen does the whole time um mm. and it's just really nice like it's just it's another one of those like oh they're such a good couple you know um <laughs> moments and uh i really like that they they put that in there to uh both just like 
show Ellen um, some more and also have her affect him in this like pretty small, subtle way. Um, but also it could be the thing that saves him from not checking in the pond mm. because, mm-hmm. you know, Bro- Brody tells Michael to go in the pond because it's safe. So I feel like Brody is like, there's no fucking way there's a shark in the pond. There is the pond. Nothing happens mm. in the pond. Yeah. <laughs> the pond's for old ladies, you know? And so, uh, it's, it's really great to have Ellen be like, you should be a little concerned about this. And like, if, if there is, you know, she, she turns into like Batman and Bat, in, in, Ben Affleck, Batman and Batman v Superman, where she's like, if there's a 1% chance that our child mm. is in danger, like you need to check on him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I really like that little moment that she has to bring mm. him back into, uh, Hey, be responsible for public safety, please yeah it's also like not super clear how much or what exactly brody has heard whether he can hear exactly what the lady is saying or whether it is just kind of uh vague yelling um because there there is a lot of other noise and stuff going on in the beach and as i think you can see in the shot where it's sort of behind the the woman as she sees the the shark fin out there you can see like the other side of the beach where all the crowds are that's clearly where Brody is and he does have to run quite a distance to get to the pond as well so it's clearly not just like next to him it's like over sort of like the other side there is like a stretch of water between them as well which he has to um, run around you have just the general noise of the ocean anyway and obviously not helped by the fact there's a helicopter and boats and people and crowds and a megaphone and, and all the rest of it so I, because at first I was like you know why <laughs> why is Brody sort of like oh now what and and he knows Michael is in the pond because he sent him over there and I was like well, why does Ellen need to remind him that he's in that Michael is in the pond like he he surely he knows that he is but I think that the what the sound mix actually does a a really good job of in this bit is just there is a lot of noise and a lot of overlapping excuse me and maybe Brody has not heard exactly what the woman has said and he's just like well now what now what's happening and and Ellen it takes Ellen to sort of like take him to one side and be like Michael is in the pond and then actually you see Brody's face change as he's running through the crowd and that's when his pace starts to quicken as well is you see him sort of like not strolling slowly but sort of walking at pace through the crowd and then you see him you see his face change very very subtle as we would expect from Roy Scheider but just a, a it's almost like he then he sees the shark himself mm. or, or he sees something that sort of makes him quicken his pace and I think that is super effective as well and I just I, I love Ellen being there and, like you said, just being that person, again, who who is just there to ground Brody and, and bring him back because, you know, you he must have been going through it as well on, on the beach. That, there's that sort of, like, initial panic of it thinking it is a shark and he's seen it with his, you know, with his own eyes, what the, yeah. what the shark can do. And... Obviously, the the guys out on the boat they discover it's a hoax before that news is then reported back to Brody. So Brody, for a for a for a minute, is sort of dealing with this. Oh my goodness, the shark is like right there, sort of thing. Um, and then when you know, like we also get that relief of oh, it's a fake, it's fine. Then there's all this like yelling commotion on the beach, and that's when he's sort of like oh, like 
what the hell is happening now? Um, a couple of interesting things I picked out in the uh, sort of background crowd and the announcer as well. Just a couple of uh, phrases that the the sort of announcer on the beach says. So they, they mention fake Finn and um, they even say the phrase like it was all a hoax. And I was like, well, this is triggering uh, for the <laughs> pandemic situation because obviously he who shall not be named was referring to it as fake news. And that's a favorite phrase that we thankfully don't have to hear as much anymore. And a lot of the sort of uh, COVID deniers referring to it as a hoax. That's one of the sort of preferred terms. So uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty triggering hearing, <laughs> hearing the announcer saying those things. Um, and also, did you hear the, the guy like in the crowds just like yelling at the, the woman or like basically telling her that she's talking rubbish? Did you hear that? No. <laughs> Yeah, there's like a guy like in the crowd, um, just as Brody is sort of walking walking through them, and he says, "Come on, lady, it's over." Um, and I was like, "Well, I mean, clearly this guy, bit of a bit of a tool. I'll just assume that based on what he's saying." Um, but obviously, he is being sort of um, taken in by by the fact that the the you know the announcers are sort of saying oh it's 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 over it was a fake it was a hoax and all the rest of it and and he is believing that so it's just a, a very small tiny little thing in there where it's like oh how easily the sort of the crowd will will believe what they're told even though there is someone literally over the over the way by the water sort of yelling shark there is a guy who is <laughs> blatantly just being like you're talking rubbish. I just thought that was uh, interesting. It's very, it's it is in there in the mix if you can hear it. But um, yeah, I I like that uh, inclusion. So is he yelling at the art teacher? Yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, I did not notice that at all. That's actually kind of great because uh, there's definitely there's there's one in every crowd. Um, <laughs> in my experience, yeah. that's uh wow. What a yeah! It's like wow, how do you even arrive at that detail to be like, all right, we need one asshole here. Who's an asshole? <laughs> uh, like because that guy a hundred percent exists. Like yeah, that yeah. is definitely something that would happen. Man, that's really funny. Um, mm-hmm. What a great little detail to put in there. Like I know it sucks. Like don't don't do that to people, obviously, but. <laughs> Like, it's very real. It's extremely real. Yeah. That happens all the time sure. when something like this happens. Uh, so what a what a smart choice. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of, like it's. I know it's a weird detail to get hung up on, but uh, especially because I mean, like I said, it's crappy behavior, but like it's so real. Like that's absolutely what happens, you know. And and uh, yeah, that's a. That feels like someone on the set was like, all right, we need this. And someone, mm. Spielberg was kind of like, oh, yeah, you're right. You yeah. <laughs> need kind of a jerk to just be like, mm, fuck you, lady. Uh, mm. <laughs> I feel like that's also a very East Coast attitude to have. Uh, of just like, all right, move along, move along. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Yeah. It's over, lady. It's very that. Yeah. Wow. Uh yeah, didn't notice that at all. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's kind of it's not quite as loud as the twenty four hours is like three weeks, but it's that <laughs> uh, it's that kind of vibe. I can imagine these two being related. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's her son. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love this canon that we're making of just all the people who are related in this film. It just, it makes yeah. me happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's no logic to it. We've not thought about it too much, but you know, yeah. if it makes sense to us, then it's real. <laughs> I mean, in our universe, Harry's married to his hat. So <laughs> anything goes. I, I was taking a sip of water as you said that, and I was not ready. And I almost did a spit take again. <laughs> This has happened once before not again <laughs> yeah yeah i i want the the fan fiction to be written now for this of just like harry and his beautiful relationship with his hat i oh, no. would like someone to do that nothing i i don't want anything you know too depraved uh yeah don't be weird but, about it yeah <laughs> i want a beautiful tender love story about one man and his hat that's what i need <laughs> I've heard that's uh I actually I heard that Damien Chazelle optioned that as his next film after Babylon. <laughs> Ryan Gosling is gonna play a, a young bad hat Harry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was trying to work out something with when Harry met Sally, but I couldn't get anything uh, from that so. <laughs> uh, yeah. When Harry met Cappy. <laughs> That is silly, and I like it a lot. <laughs> wow. Yep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anything? Anything else in this uh, in this scene? Or do you think we've uh, we've nope. co- we've covered also, all of it? And... No. The only thing I have is nerds don't at me. I am aware that Cappy is the name of Mario's hat in the most recent Mario game. So calm down. <laughs> it's okay. There can be two Cappies. Honestly, it's a common um, name for a hat. Yeah, sure. <laughs> there's uh there's uh Johnny Fedora and uh okay. What is it? Oh no. Oh the Disney one. Yeah yeah yeah. Alice Blue Bonnet. Alice Blue Bonnet, yeah. Yep. There's a deep cut for y'all. Yep. I do too. <laughs> I got the reference, as you would expect, as someone who is yeah. also going through all the Disney films. <laughs> yeah. The crossover I never expected to happen, but I'm glad it did. Um, yeah, I think that is everything. Um, yeah, just... once the episode turns into us putting out calls for fan fiction about uh, the love story between <laughs> Harry and his hat, I think we've we've mined the scene pretty pretty well and thoroughly. Yeah, yeah, that's that's when you know uh, it is uh, <laughs> it is heading into a place that there is no coming back from. So we will we will leave it there. Um, MJ, do you have anything that you would like to plug? Uh, yes, I think it should be. Uh, by the time you hear this, there is a new episode of Real Perspective, which makes it uh, two, uh, two months in a row we've had an episode, which is a lot for us, given Woo-hoo. the current state of the world. Um, but it, sh- <laughs> it is uh, an episode on In the Heights. It is both the first podcast we will be recording in person since uh, COVID started, and also the last one we will record in person for a good while, because it's the last one we'll be able to record before I move, which is unfortunate. But, um, yeah. Uh, go check that out. Real Perspective. R-E-E-L Perspective. If you, you've seen In the Heights, right? Because I've not seen it yet, and I'm not, not excited. As, at time of recording, not yet. Mm, okay. 
it's it's going to be my first film back at the cinema and I feel like I will just cry the entire way through because I have been hyped for this film for so long. <laughs> yeah, I um I by all accounts it's great. I just it's it's hard for me to find time. I don't know if I'll be able to get to the theater before I move. I might be able to go see I might try to sneak in um mm. uh uh another real perspective podcast for Fast and Furious cuz we've done all the Fast and Furious movies that have come out since <laughs> we've started the show. So mm. I feel like it's tradition, but if so, that is one I want to see in the theater. Also, I think it's going to be my only option. I don't think it's going to be on HBO Max. Mm. Um <laughs> but so if we're going to do an episode on that, it'll have to be we'll have to see it in the theater, but mm. I want to try to make it to see in the Heights in the theater, but I don't know I don't know how that's going to go, but, uh, mm. yeah. So I'm hoping I like it. I wasn't super impressed with the, uh, soundtrack, but I haven't, I haven't seen the, the show. Um, mm. and I've only listened to the Broadway cast recording of it. And mm. it's just, I think, I think maybe I was just like, Oh, this is different than Hamilton. And, uh, like, <laughs> it is, my, yeah. yeah. And my brain didn't like it. So it was just like, mm. Hey, this isn't the thing I know and love. Why are we listening to the thing that is not the thing we know and love? <laughs> yeah. I, I've listened to the soundtrack a lot at the sort of, um, the peak of my Hamilton obsession, which was around 2016, I was like, I need to devour every piece of content that I can find that is even slightly related to Hamilton. So I have been listening to the soundtrack to In the Heights since then. I do like it a lot. I obviously prefer Hamilton, but I am excited to see it. Like the trailers and stuff look really good. Like they look like they're really going all in on making this uh, kind of big musical spectacular and I'm always here for that and I'm already here for the narrative of like this being up against West Side Story at the Oscars. I can just see it. I can see it happening. <laughs> well, there's also there's the there's the Lin Manuel Miranda directed yeah, musical tick, that's tick, coming boom. out this year. Tick tick yeah, boom. So mm -hmm. it'll be an interesting Oscars race this year. I know this isn't an Oscars podcast, but uh whatever. <laughs> um it'll be interesting because there's there's five musicals coming out this year, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think yeah. Dear Evan Hansen has a shot because it looks terrible, but it certainly does. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think the, the 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 Holy Motors guy one. I don't remember that. I cannot remember the name of that movie for the life of me. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about with uh, Adam Driver? Uh, yes, but I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> uh, it's the Sparks movie. Sparks musical. Um, <laughs> Uh, oh, this is just the, yep, this is just the, 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 uh, <laughs> the Edgar Wright film. Um, it's directed by the guy who, Annette, Annette is the name of the movie. Oh, that's it. Yep. Yep. yep, yep With yep. Marion Cotillard and, uh, Adam Driver. But anyway, I think my, my hang up with the In the Heights <laughs> soundtrack was that, it was like i think with hamilton like i know those names from history so i was mm. able to like lock into who these characters are a lot sure. easier because i was familiar with them and so just like listening to the soundtrack independent of knowing anything mm -hmm. about the musical mm -hmm. in the heights i was like who's this character i don't know who they are i don't know these character yeah. names going in i can't really tell which one is singing versus who's not and so mm. i think that'll help me like to see it and understand who's who um mm -hmm. so yeah it wasn't like i thought the music was bad i just like 
like you if you listen to hamilton you can get a sense of like how the whole show is within the heights i was listening to it and just being like i don't know who these characters are apart from each other so it's kind of tough for me to like (laughs) really determine like who's feeling what moment to moment so Mm. it's yeah the music's great but it's just it was just like uh i'm a little confused about what these people's motivations are right now yeah that makes sense i will be looking forward to hearing uh what you think about that film anyway and also hoping that i love it as much as i am anticipating loving it i've already got it penciled in as my film of the year so we'll see if that oh, wow. is uh true <laughs> it just seems it just seems like it will be but uh yeah wow we'll, over we'll the spielberg out. already huh yeah <laughs> Yeah, the yeah, trailer I'd... the trailer for my film of the year I think just came out, so I got it. I, I understand. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't, I don't want to be disappointed, so I need to lower my expectations somewhat, but uh, making no promises. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also uh, sorry, I, we we digress uh, talking yeah. about all things Lin Manuel Miranda. But um, yeah. I uh, also have a, another podcast which I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier with the the deep deep cut of uh, Johnny Fedora and Alice Bloop on it. Um, currently going through all of the Disney animated films. Uh, you can listen to our Make Mine Music one, uh, which feels like a very very long time ago. That's the the film that uh, that short is in. It is one of my favorite Disney shorts, uh, and we had a really good time talking about that short in particular. The rest of the film, eh, not so much. Um, But yeah, lots and lots of episodes for you to catch up on at time of recording. We are up to Frozen is the most recent one that's just come out. Uh, There's probably a couple more uh, that have come out since then. But uh, yeah, go and give that a listen. Uh, So it's a series I'm doing for Jumpcast. So just search for Jumpcast wherever you find your podcasts, and you should find it there. Um, you can follow us uh, as the the show on social media. We are on Twitter at Jaws for a minute, um, and our DMs are open, so you can send us a message if you want to interact with us in that way, or you can also email us Jaws for a minute at gmail.com you can follow us individually as well. I am at Sarah Buddery and MJ is at MJ Smith 891. Uh, show some love and support to our uh, good friends of the pod. Uh, Alex, who did our logo design and variant design as well. He is at Hex Shadow on Twitter. And Kristen, who did our wonderful theme song, very delighted to have it back on uh, (laughs) podcast episodes now. I missed it when it wasn't there. Um, But you can have the song uh, to to own and to listen to always, if that is what you want. Um, You can buy the theme song on Bandcamp and you can follow uh, Kristen at Kristen Falls Music on Instagram um, and show her some love on there as well. Tell her how much you love our wonderful theme song and all the other great songs uh, she puts out as well <laughs> um and you can support us at uh, the show in a number of ways as well you can rate and review on apple podcasts and whatever other podcast platform lets you do that as well we would really appreciate that you can buy some of our merch with the aforementioned designs uh, by alex on them through t public and Redbubble. the link for those is in our twitter bio and you can also um, donate through our coffee page. Again, link is in our Twitter bio. Uh, at time of recording, we still are getting pretty close to our our goal. Um, and once we hit that goal, then we will uh, do a little competition between all those people who have donated, and you could win a piece of merchandise, likely to be a t-shirt. 
Um, so definitely worth doing that if you if you can. We would really appreciate your support as well. Uh, we'll give you a shout out on future episode as well if you donate through that. Um, I think that is about everything. Uh, so until next week, uh, it's Jaws O'Clock somewhere.